0: No, now you know uh welcome everybody to our classroom and we're fortunate this evening to have catherine trejo with us the author of jefferson actually in realidad is jefferson and catherine's first generation salvadorian american whoop um you already know i'm gonna ask you about pupusas at some point um <laughs> She's also a graduate of UC Santa Cruz and lives in historic Filipino town in California. Um, Catherine lives in the same apartment complex in which she grew up, uh, which is awesome and amazing. And I'm sure there's so much you could say about community. Uh, having experienced yeah. it up as a child, but also now as mm-hmm. an adult. And the book that she published, she did so co-authored it with Mr. Scott Martin Rowe, who was her high school teacher, her favorite teacher in high school. <laughs> and don't tell anybody that we told you this, but she was <laughs> Scott's favorite student. I'm uh, happy to have you here this evening, Catherine. Thank you so much for being with me.
1: No, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I'm a big fan of you and Lorena and the work that you do to support educators, schools, students. So it's honestly my pleasure to be here. So thank you.
0: Well, we have this beautiful book. There it is. an <laughs> actually, the Jefferson. And uh, kudos to you, to Scott, to Carla, to Little Libros for this publication, um, so necessary. And I want to go ahead and start with the the notion, the premise of this book, which is say my name, say my name, right? Say my name correctly, right. which I can relate to this because, you know, people have trouble rolling their R's. So Roberto doesn't get off as smoothly. And they, you know, they want to call me Robert. Is it okay if you call me, you know, if I call you Robert or Bobby? I'm like, yo, nah. my name is Roberto. Rob. Like, nah, you can only call me Rob if we cool. You know, if I know you, <laughs> if you're my people, then I <laughs> give right. you that space. You can call me Rob. I don't know you like that. Call me Roberto. And <laughs> then you get into the last name, and it really trips people out. Because, you know, you read it on paper in English, German. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm Dominican. It's pronounced Her- Hermano. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for some people, it's like, it's too... They're not even trying. And, and that irritates me. So... Yep. I was really feeling this book because it resonates me with me as somebody who doesn't who has a name that doesn't roll off as easily for others. Mm-hmm. So, this is inspired by your nephew, who, who we've talked about a little bit. And why don't we stop? You just can you just state his name and how you pronounce his name so that all yeah. of us, the audience, uh, hears from you. Like, how can see a performance. <laughs> His name.
1: So we say it right. Yeah. So first, I'm glad that you connected with the book. Um, So it's really interesting because it's a little bit different um, in English and a little bit different in Spanish. So in English, which is what I call him the most in English, the English pronunciation is Jefferson. And then in Spanish, it's Jefferson. With an emphasis on the song, uh, Jefferson. And I think when you did your video for TikTok, you got the pronunciation perfect. I was like, oh, he's also like emphasizing the song, Jefferson.
0: And I was you like, no, oh, that's you know, a- funny. This is a funny thing because earlier, like a couple hours ago, we we're having dinner. Lorena, my wife, she, she was like coming at me and saying, oh, you have trouble saying this name. You're saying it wrong. And I'm like, nah. i'm not sure that i am but this is one of my questions and so i'm so glad that you said this and i know she's watching right now and i'm feeling really vindicated and affirmed yes Yes, she's like here we go here we go yes
1: no yeah it was perfect so yeah so it's really interesting because it's like me and my cousin are like jefferson jefferson and then you hear like the grandmas and the tias and all like the Spanish speakers like Jefferson, yeah, so Jefferson, yeah, so like all around the house. So yeah, it's it's funny how even within English and Spanish, there's so a little bit of distinctions even within those names.
0: Mm. And, and so why is it important that we pronounce names correctly?
1: Yeah, you know, And that I know is... that
0: seems like an obvious question. Right. But we know from experience that while it seems so obvious, We still have to address people all the time about this because they're saying our names wrong
1: correct yeah and you know what and there's so many unique reasons why we should actively always be trying to pronounce and spell folks names correctly but two reasons that I really like really came to mind as I was thinking about this question is so one is like in the book and Jefferson actually our main character is named after his grandpa and he loves being named after his grandpa so you know it really got me thinking about all the people named after loved ones um, or people that they really care about or just people who have given themselves also new names right and how that alone is a good enough reason to always honor the pronunciation and spelling of their names and then I also thought about usually folks whose names are mispronounced and misspelled often something that we see them do a lot is they're always apologizing or thinking that their name is really burdensome so I think actively trying to learn and always putting in the effort to pronounce and spell someone's name correctly like reassures that person like no your name is not a burden and you should never be apologizing for your name ever. You know, like if anything, we should be apologizing for not trying enough to make sure that we're constantly and actively making sure that we're making them feel comfortable and honoring the way that their name is being, is supposed to be said and, and spelled. So those are two reasons that I could, um, that just really came to mind. And, and the last thought that I wanted to, cause I was like, at this question, I was like, oh my God, it's such an important question. Cause I was even thinking about the politicization of names like in history like when we think about how people have been denied access to university because of their names right? right have been denied jobs because of their names you know like it doesn't it goes it it goes even more deeper right when we think about that politicization and why names are important and ha- they have real life complications right um or how people experience microaggressions because of their names i just i don't know if you saw this going around but it went viral um, this young man named Jose, I think he's Guatemalan, he said that when he was going through TSA or the airport, that the TSA person was like, oh, like your mom gave you the most common name ever, that being Jose.
0: Wow.
1: And he responded with like, well, Jose is not common at Harvard, which is like where he's attending school wow. at. <laughs> And I was like, what a great comeback. I'm like, it's a. And I was just like, you know, like that microaggression in that moment, like that xenophobia, like was not, like that was so uncalled for, right? But it also got me thinking about those implications as well, right? So it's just like, there's, there's history behind this, right? And why names are important. Um, or just even thinking about, um, I don't know if you read the book, Your Name is a, a Song by Jamila Tompkins. Um, there's God. a, oh my God, I, ah, I'm gonna have, i going to have, that one's so good too, but Jamila in the book has like a really beautiful line around um, when um, African people were taken um, from their home, right, and how they were given new names and how now in the U.S., right, or everywhere, all the places where African descendants are at, they've had to reimagine new names for themselves, right? Um, so it, that's also a line that got me, I was just like, oh, this is like, there's so many reasons why. So, like I said, there's so many unique reasons why names are so important. Um, yeah.
0: And the thing is that names tell a story too. Correct. So when yeah. you, when you try to twist my name, you're messing with my story.
1: Right. Your identity, like your, ex- like who you are. It, it definitely. Yeah. I agree. Uh,
0: f- for me. You know, it's important that we stress to people that they say our names right because it's it's also part of how we continue to control our own narrative. Mhm. Yeah, that's you a really good But but when you confront me, I'm driving my narrative. Don't try to change my name, don't try to change my story, don't try to change my narrative. And and so it's another reason what I, why I appreciate what y'all did with this book
1: yeah and i think it's about also teaching children at a young age right like that point that you're making like it's i think folks underestimate children so much but it's just it's just so great to see how much they understand about the world and about themselves right and making sure that we're constantly instilling that confidence and making sure that they feel like they have control of something right even as something as simple as making sure their name is being said correctly
0: Right, self-advocacy. So who did you have in mind when you wrote this and why did you write to them?
1: Yeah, so I feel like there was like so many people I was thinking about, right? I'm sure like, you know, like family, friends, like it's like a whole community, right? But I tried, I tried to do it out to three um, for this um, interview, but obviously my nephew, Jefferson, right, who inspired this story, but at its core... Something that I love about this story is that this story is, like, is a story for all children that have a name that start with an A um, that are traditionally spelled with a J, right? So I'm talking about, like, all the Yanis, the Yesons, the Jessica's, the Yennefers. Uh, th- that's another one. <laughs> I mean, the list goes on and on of all the beautiful names that start with a Y. So a big part of this book is is really dedicated to them because it's such a – their spelling and, like, the way that, like, um, their names are spelled right and kind of, like, the derivate. I always like to think that Jefferson's name is a great clash of cultures. Like, it makes me think of maybe his family, his mom was like, oh, I really want to give him, you know, a name that's maybe common in America. Yeah. Um, but then in Spanish, the J sounds like a Y, and it's like this clash of worlds coming together. So it's really cool to kind of see how it all comes together and, like, makes its own story and narrative. Um, additionally, I was thinking about BIPOC children like my nephew Jefferson, uh, specifically Central American and Salvadorian children of all races who would see themselves and their families represented in this book. Um, and also, which is why I'm so glad that you said that you connected with this book is because I also thought about adults when I was writing this book. Um I had so many adults tell me that they still have trouble correcting others on how to pronounce their name and spell it, and how the book has really helped them recognize like why it's important to do that right So I think that this book is for adult for children as uh for adults as much as it is for children you know, and there's so much we can learn. I love reading children's book it's like one of my favorite pastimes um so we can learn so much from them
0: absolutely, and why do you think educators should teach this book?
1: I think um, it's a great book to teach in a classroom because one of the themes that I hope resonates and then you named it is uh, encouraging and teaching children about self-advocacy. I strongly believe that if we start to teach children self-advocacy, it's something that will follow them into adulthood. So now you have these adults that are like asking for raises, right, and are speaking up when something isn't right, you know, like teaching them really early on, make sure that they continuously do it. But not only that, it, it's also advocacy that will transform into advocacy for others, right? Now they're advocating for other children, um, other right. groups and other people um, as well. And, and something that I do want to point out is that in the book, not only does our protagonist, Jefferson, um, correct his peers, he also corrects adults. Um, mm-hmm. It was so important for Scott and I um, to make sure that we show that depiction to children because one, we don't want them to be afraid to speak up to adults. I think that I think that there's, I, I, I'm a strong believer that adults need to start to decentralize themselves and start to really center children um, and kind of like their needs and actively start to listen to children, right? And in some cases change their behavior. Like if a child is asking you to do something different or saying that something is wrong, like we need to listen, right? And not pretend like adults are the end all be all. So it was really important for us to show that, you know, that in the book, Jefferson is telling his children, um, his teachers and adults in his life that, no, you're saying this wrong. And then actively showing that they're changing, right? Because they heard him um, say that. So, I mean, so if there's adults who are going to read this book and then they, and it's like, they're teaching children about advocacy And then children are now doing what they taught them, right? They're advocating for themselves. Like I hope like adults embrace it, you know, and they welcome and they're like, oh, that's what I taught you to do. (laughs) Like, that's great.
0: Yeah. And I, I think for many adults, there's some rewiring that needs to take place, but we should build in feedback cycles, right, where students are given the opportunity to share some feedback. And even in our household, right? There's there's parents or uh, adults playing uh, parent-like roles that Mm -hmm. should make space and make it a habit for our children to be able to offer some feedback, right? And then we should actually implement um, whenever appropriate the feedback it is that they offer so I, I love that and I'll follow it up with asking how would you like to see educators and others use this
1: um that's a good question I mean ideally you know I think it's a great book that can take children to some difficult like like you know if they're trying to overcome difficult situations I think that a lot of like the themes in the books um especially around self-advocacy can help teachers ground themselves like can help them have like a grounded conversation with children through using the book right like and the great thing about books is that there's imagery right there's expressions like you know it's like a tool that's what i like to think about this because when i first thought about writing this book i was like i want to make a tool for jefferson to to be able to like something to reference back to constantly right like when he's not um like when he's not feeling sure about himself or or he's, like, you know, second-guessing, like, what he's doing. Like, I want him to be able to come back to the book. So I'm hoping that teachers and adults will constantly come back to this book, right, to make sure, to reassure their children, right, that what they're doing and correcting folks and feeling confident and advocating for themselves is the correct thing.
0: Right. And and they could just look at this example when Papa Jefferson asks, so what are you going to say tomorrow when they say your name wrong? What are you Jefferson's. Like, mm. Mhm. It's Jefferson actually. In reality it's Jefferson. So, Papa Jefferson models for for us how it is that we could bring in this case a young person, but anybody into the conversation and help them process their own exactly. thoughts. Exactly. How can I approach this? And not just let people off the hook and not uh, allow for uh, people to keep saying my name wrong and then I'm internalizing that. No, how, all right, how do I want to address this? And then Jefferson has an opportunity to essentially practice that uh, with Papa Jefferson and his parents
1: yeah that and that's one of my favorite scenes because i remember me and mr Rowe, scott i called him mr roe because he's my high school english teacher um we were talking about how you like, don't me I, yeah, like, call me scott yeah he's like calling scott like i can't i can never call you scott <laughs> <laughs> and we were like we don't want the adults to give jefferson the protagonist the answer we're like we want him to process and sit and come up with the answer on his own and that's like one of my favorite scenes because it shows just how um you, you, it shows how creative and how children can actually work through some of their emotions. Right. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of support from his family. So that's like such a great scene. Cause it's just like, it shows like how he processes and like comes up with an answer on his own.
0: Absolutely. And you chose to publish this book, the traditional route with with little libros. Why why did you choose to do that instead of self publishing and, and how has publishing through the traditional route benefited you
1: yeah so self-publishing so uh mr roe and i didn't like he knew a little bit because he's an english teacher and he's just a writer in general i did i knew zero about the publishing world or about books besides what i saw like on tv and movies which seemed unrealistic (laughs) um and usually portrayed um you know white folks you know having those opportunities right so um self-publishing was never um it was never an option that we looked into it was always going through the traditional route and I think I had so many doubts right and I think this comes from just like my own like you know the way I grew up and and everything but but Mr. Rowe was so sure that this book someone was gonna want it he was so sure it was me always like with the negative thoughts and I think after a while he started to like make me feel like you know what maybe yeah maybe this we will get picked up so um to be complete we sent it to everybody everyone and their moms <laughs> um you know and and most of the agents that we sent it to and i still don't we still don't have an agent um for the book uh, or just as generous authors but when we were sending it out to agents, predominantly white agents um which is still very much the norm in like the traditional publishing right. world th- they were they were having a really hard time connecting with the book um which i was not surprised about you know and and it was discouraging to see that but then we sent it to patty and ariana which are the founders of little liberals who are also two latina moms right and had a very similar experience to scott and i which is like um people didn't think that the books the board books that they wanted to put out about latinx figures was gonna sell you know so they were very familiar with like um they were very empathetic to our story around like you know getting denied a bunch of times but they instantly connected with the story like they knew it would resonate with the with the larger latinx community like they knew that names were so important in the latinx community and they're like we want to publish this book and honestly when they said when they're like we're ready i was like all right cool all you need is one person just one person to say yes and it just kind of like opens up this door Um, And Little Libros is a small uh, publishing company, right? They're not like the really big houses like Penguin, et cetera. But, you know, they're really making a name for themselves, right? Um, And, you know, they're going to be coming out. They just fundraise, like, community dollars, like $3 million from the community um, to continue this work. Um, And they're going to be publishing so many more books, uh, so many more diverse books within the land about Latinx communities. So it just made sense and just working with them was so great. I think it was like such a, we got to learn so much about just the publishing process and they made us feel part of the process the whole time, which I really enjoyed, right? Because it's our first book. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like your first baby. Like, you know, you want it to be in good hands. So, you know, I feel really appreciative that Ariana and Patty, Patty, really believed in this book and gave it a chance and gave and also took a chance on us as first time authors um and published the book and and something that i always remember is oh and just to add we've actually been featured now on three best of lists including the new york public library and chicago public library so i'm like hot to those agents that didn't want us you know
0: right. <laughs> you know so it's
1: great that we're getting some recognition for the book and it's our first book so it feels really really good
0: that's awesome you're making certainly the salvadorian community proud and the folks Thank you, South- Roberto. Like, you know, us as biopic folks in general. Uh, and, and this book is necessary, not just for biopic folks, but for everybody. You know, we need little white children and, and white adults and folks to, to read this and, and connect with it and understand it. Like, all right, you might not, just like those agents you said, all right, you might not understand this. Um, but we need you to to lean into it a little bit, um, to, to consider our experience, Right because there aren't enough publishing companies like Little Libros and, and there mm-hmm. aren't enough authors whose voices are getting amplified. And so kudos to you, kudos to Scott, um, kudos to to Little Libros for seeing the potential in this yeah. book and for staying committed to lifting up the voices of authors like you. Uh, I, am, I am so uh, enthusiastic about what Little Libros is doing and and what you and Scott and Carla have done with this book. And I'm a big supporter of the work. What advice do you have for writers interested in going the traditional route?
1: Yeah, some advice I would give writers is don't change your stories for others. I think that you're gonna, yeah, like, you know, like they're gonna ask you to change this, do this, tweak this, like, stay stay true to your story and I promise someone out there is like waiting for your story right there's someone out there that wants your story and needs it and I think it's just so important to stay true to that story that you want to tell because even for a while when we were getting um, so many no's on Jefferson actually I was like even myself right like my own self-doubt and and um, I was even thinking like maybe we're going too heavy on the fact that he's Salvadorian or, or you know just his culture and stuff it made me think maybe that's what wasn't clicking and connecting with them. Um, But you know, acting back now, like, like I think that wasn't the case, right? Like if anything, I'm glad that we stayed true to the story. And there was someone out there that did want the book. So stay true to your stories. Like, you know, they matter.
0: That's That's, you know, like I'm not Salvadorian and this connects with me. Yeah. You know, it's important to stay true to the story because you also don't know how it's gonna impact others.
1: Exactly.
0: Right? Yeah. It's it's your story to share with the world and then, you know, the world's gonna respond the way it does. But there are probably more people that connect with your story than any of these agents will realize.
1: Exactly. And they were, I feel like when they were reading it, they were thinking about how they weren't connecting with it, but they weren't like right. thinking about That's everyone probably- outside of them. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> That's exactly. The You know, like, even as we're speaking right now, I'm thinking about my three nieces. Um, they're half Salvadorian, you know, on the, their father's side. And I'm thinking, like, oh, wow, you know, it didn't hit me earlier, but now I'm considering, like, oh, I wonder how this story might resonate with them. Yeah. You know, just for the cultural aspect
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no definitely yeah it's just it's and and i think that's something else too i um one thing that i'm super proud of too is that we also have helped put out a story that centers a salvadorian child and like family i think that there's not a lot of narratives out there yet um covering um our community so it feels really great and jessica who's at the end of the book um, is afro salvadoreña so i'm super Mm -hmm. excited to see how we create a story and she's um she's actually inspired by my my nieces um i have three beautiful nieces who are afro salvadoreñas um so the she uh, Jessica was inspired a little bit by them so you know my nieces and nephews there's so many of them <laughs> they all just inspire all the lovely stories that i want to create
0: that's beautiful that's beautiful and, and often in you know latino Amer- america we don't hear as much about the the afro side of our cultures right in in Mm -hmm. all of these countries and so uh thank you for doing that love it
1: yeah definitely
0: so what's your favorite part of the book and why
1: my favorite part is when after he comes home after he's corrected everyone at school and he's in the and he's in the tomato garden with his grandpa. That's one of my favorite images. I think Carla did such a great job at just capturing some really great tenderness and love and just affection between um, Papa Jefferson and Jefferson. And most importantly, I love that page because on um, the line, gra- uh, his grandpa asked him, how was your day at school, Sipote?" And, you know, Sipote is a term which is widely used by Central Americans and Salvadorians, meaning child. And growing up, I, I heard it around everywhere. My grandma, my mom, my tía, everyone calling us cipote this, cipote that. Um, but I had never seen it, like, in any type of media. Like, I had never seen it in books, on TV. So the fact that, like, Little liberals like, didn't even bat an eye, they're like, of course, like, put cipote in there. Like, let's make it a thing. And being able to introduce it to, like, other folks who maybe are not Central American or Salvadorian. And, like, um, just kind of also showcasing the diversity of the of the latinx communities right like we're so different across like race like language like food like it's just so great to be able to showcase that so just it's such a tiny it's so it's so tiny it's just one word but like people have been it's just like it has such a big impact and people have been noticing and they're like oh my god like you know being able to see that word like you know in a book is like so powerful and i'm just so happy that it's in there so yeah, it's perfect. cool and then you read voz We also had some bosel in there, which is also super cool in Spanish. So, you know, it's really cool to just be able to like sprinkle it in, but it's just like people notice, right?
0: Absolutely, and uh, I'm I'm gonna start calling all the little kids around me (laughs) Yes. even if they don't know what it means. What's the of encouragement to to the people?
1: Um, I think something that I've been telling folks is just like, just screw the rules. Like I didn't know anything about writing or or publishing and, but I knew I had a story that I wanted to tell. And I think really just grabbing a piece of paper or we're in the future now. So like opening up a Google doc, um, or a word doc and just like starting to just like dump out all your ideas, dump out that story that you've been thinking about and then, And then just kind of go from there right like work backwards (laughs) you know like i'm actually trying to learn all the different forms of writing a picture book now after having been published so work backwards just write it and and pace yourself you know you don't have to finish something within the year two years spending 15 30 minutes on something that you really love like really adds up in the end and once you know it like you have a finished product you know and and it's ready to start putting out into the world
0: that's great that's great and where where can people follow you what platforms besides this one
1: so actually um this is the only platform i have (laughs) so you can follow me here at cat baggins um and i'm currently working on a website it's in my to do of things to do so hopefully a website very soon as well
0: well i I appreciate you and i'm looking forward to to seeing this book again. You that don't know or haven't copped it, please support this. Jefferson, actually, uh, if you do follow us, but this is your first time having some contact with Kat Trejo, make sure you follow her now at Cat Baggins. Also, be sure to follow her co-author, Scott Martin Rowe, and the illustrator of the book, Carla Monterrosa. Thank uh, you. <laughs> The publishers, Little Libros. Why? Because they publish our stories. Sounds and good. again, we are controlling our narrative. So let's not just talk about it. Let's be about it. Let's support the individuals and organizations that amplify the voices of biopic authors. As always, Your engagement in our classroom is greatly appreciated. Be sure to subscribe, rate the show, and write a review. Finally, for resources to help you understand the intersection of race, bias, education, and society, go to multiculturalclassroom.com. Peace and love from your host, Roberto Germán.